0: Signar General Siege Bridge The
1: Iron Kingdoms are under attack. The great oppressors have returned. The Orgoth have come to recapture the Iron Kingdom. The time has come again for all nations to unite and
0: drive them back once again. Meet us at.
2: Do you have what it takes
1: to free the Iron Kingdoms? Then report to the Siege Invitational, presented by the Minority Report Podcast, July 22nd through the 24th in Memphis, Tennessee. Follow us on Facebook for more information.
0: This is Sarah Brisbane calling all allies.
3: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Tried and True, a podcast hosted by Delaware War Machine. I am your host Paul. I'm Dan. I'm Andy.
2: I'm Erica.
3: It's uh, nice to be back, everybody. Uh, we just got back from our favorite event, the Boker Brawl, and we absolutely had a wonderful time.
1: Oh, yeah. No, it's probably my favorite event on the East Coast. I go every year. I love it.
2: Yeah, it's it's my favorite convention.
3: I think if I remember correctly, Dan, on the first episode, you said that it fucking slaps, and that is a 100% accurate way of describing it.
4: It's <laughs> drivable, too, for us. It's one of the few that we
1: can actually, you know not have to fly to yeah it being affordably close is definitely a vote of confidence here
3: absolutely all right let's go ahead and take a moment so to think a couple of individuals or sorry we'll go ahead and thank a couple of people uh first first of all for all of our listeners out there thank you so much for giving us your time and listening you know your support and you just clicking the play button really means a lot to us so thank you We want to also thank More Than Dice for giving us another platform. If you haven't subscribed to More Than Dice, you should go check them out. They got other content creators such as Boca Broadcast and Minority Report. And Blightbringers just made their return. So you want to go ahead and listen to Ryan again. Welcome back, guys. Yeah, like they're just really great guys. I'm happy to hear that they are doing their stuff again. That's wonderful. And then we want to go ahead and thank all the individuals on Patreon. Your support is helping us all out sorry your support is helping us out a lot if you didn't know you can go ahead and support the cause if you like the stuff all of your support helps us out with the battle reports being able to create some pretty cool tables like everything so those who are there thank you so much and we'll continue to fight the good fight On this episode, if you took a look, we have a special guest. We have Travis Marg here. If you weren't familiar with Travis, uh, he recently was on Facebook. He did a very popular Ask Me Anything, where a lot of people were asking about his experience as being an Infernal ruler and uh, just a member of the community. If you weren't too familiar with it, he is part of the Infernals program. That's a special group of individuals that are able to answer questions or answer rules questions over podcasts. Uh, privateer press games and they're able to go ahead and offer their insight on how they think a rule should be interpreted and then we had him at the boker brawl and he played on team necrotech so travis go ahead and take a moment introduce yourself
0: let people know how long you've been playing and all the other good stuff yeah so uh as you said i'm travis marg i've been playing since early mark one i remember when the releases were called waves uh, which were like the first initial set of waves for things. Got into the game because I, at one point my brother and I had saw uh, a snowboard with Asphyxius One's prime black and white art on, which I still have. And uh, I'm an avid collector of everything Private Press games. Um, I own everything. My one goal before the end of Mark III was collecting every model at full FA, which I did do for Mark III. So that was a, a huge accomplishment for myself. And I still serve in a capacity as a judge, uh, infernal, and convention event manager slash developer with Privateer Press. So I, I do a lot of things Uh, and wear a lot of hats with Privateer Press.
3: Well, it's really exciting to have you on the show, and again, having you out to the Boker Brawl, it was really great that you got to come to one of our events. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think Erica, Andy, you ended up meeting Travis, I think, at other events, like at Adepticon as well? Uh,
4: Yeah, yeah. Travis was running uh, uh, both the Iron Gauntlet Qualifier, and he helped run the narrative event too, I believe. And the
2: 2v2s? And the 2v2s?
4: Oh yeah, the (laughs) 2v2s. We're going to be doing those at some point in the future.
2: That's our next steamroller, actually. Excellent.
0: I I really like the 2v2 format. It's something that, like, we originally started that format because Adepticon had a 4v4 uh, in 40k, and I'm like, well, it's just 2v2. We can do that for War Machine. You don't really need four players to, to really play a War Machine game. Uh, but it's it's a really fun format. You get some really wacky questions, like uh, how does this feat interact with this other feat, and <laughs> things get uh, ridiculous. So I I really enjoyed that format. And, uh, yeah, it's one of the things where I get to, I'm making more of an effort to get out to other events, uh, to play more games and not just be the person that runs them. Hey, Travis, I wanted
3: to ask with you doing the whole infernal stuff, has there ever been a ruling that you felt was very difficult to determine on the spot? And then, you know, you went with your gut and then in hindsight, you, you, you think to yourself, maybe that wasn't the right call or, you, you, you yeah. have just like live with it.
0: There's definitely moments of that. I think this is something that kind of reoccurred a little bit with the ask me anything thread. As a judge and as a person who's trying to make event or uh, rulings at an event, uh, you kind of just have to make your ruling and stick with it. Really accept that, hey, if when you're at the beginning of the event, part of the social contract, I like to call it that, or the judge talk or whatever you're having with your players is I might make a ruling this weekend and I might be very, very wrong. Like There's definitely moments where my brain just goes, I know 12 versions of this rule. What version is it today? And have a different intent of how the rule was meant to be. And really to accept that you may make mistakes, but they're not really mistakes at that moment. And they're just going to be the way they are. You have to kind of let that roll off your back and not be stuck in your the headspace of, hey, I made a, a incorrect ruling. Uh, like, for example, the ruling that I'm thinking of at the moment is how guard towers interact with flags and zones. At the time, at Adepticon, kind of I was like, it, you had to measure to the model. And now, in the actual rules that you have to be, is you measure to the tower. And you're like, hey, the tower's inside the zone or inside the four inches to the flag, thus the models inside it contest it. So it was something where I was making it more complicated by trying to put geometry into it versus something where it's like, yeah, just measure the tower and then you're good. So there's things like that where I'll I'll make a ruling and if it's difficult, I often take that back to uh, modify in the past or in the future to really make it easier for players. Gotcha. And I was gonna
3: say that I'm pretty sure with the changes into Mark IV, especially like with the unit movement, that I'm pretty sure you and the other Infernal rulings individuals probably had a bit of a tough time like trying to answer all these questions where people like well can i charge through this can i not charge through this do i lose my attacks like how exactly this works
0: yeah and there's definitely parts of just getting into people's heads where like unstoppable only allows you to move out and ignore disengaging it doesn't allow you to charge out of combat just getting that into our heads so it's rote memory versus um just something we have to look up every time so there's there's a lot of changes and i expect uh the game to get solidified more as people are spending more time reading the rule books, uh, answering and asking questions in a place where we can uh, respond to them. So it's it's definitely something I'm looking forward to watching the game evolve and become more stable for
1: everyone. So, so wait, you do actually know players that read the rule book?
0: Uh, <laughs> it is a time-honored tradition, in my opinion, that 90% of War Machine players learn through oral tradition. What I mean by that is someone else told them the rules. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> there may be five, maybe ten of us that have actually read the whole book cover to cover.
1: Yeah. Read or, it at all, let alone cover to cover.
4: <laughs> I was about to say, it's like the same individuals that read the dictionary. Nah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we depend on you guys. We depend because <laughs> right. somebody's got to read it.
3: Perfect. All right. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the uh, the current events that just happened. I have to say one thing that I'm super excited about is the new community site that Privateer Press just announced. So if you aren't aware, if you go onto Privateer Press's website, if you go and look at the button, it says community is on the left side. You scroll down a little bit, you'll see like a couple of like war, I think like warcasters, warlocks, like in that shot. You click it, and it basically kind of shows up like as like the old forums, I guess. That's what I keep on hearing from individuals. But I think it's been really, really cool seeing it. I've seen a lot of people sign up for it. And with the initiation of it, it it didn't really seem like it was gaining a lot of traction. But every single time that I go on there now, it seems like there's more people starting conversations and contributing to these conversations. And I'm excited to see where this is going to be
0: evolving, I guess, going forward. Yeah, and it's going to be a, a really good location to get official rulings to have see community podcasts because I know there's a lot of questions out there of hey I'm looking for podcasts or I'm looking for content where can I get it and this is going to have it collated because after a while things disappear off Facebook disappear off discord and it's gonna be nice to have uh, a good place a central place to look for it
3: yeah and, and I think it's definitely up to us to help out letting people be aware about it right because I know we have the war machine general Discord we have or just a bunch of discords at that point you have the many facebook groups and everything else that's going on i i think it's definitely would be a benefit if we can help out in pushing people onto that platform because i think the more interest and the more individuals that start to go on it on a daily basis i assume i i never saw what the old forums were like but i assume that would potentially get to the uh hustling and bustling of what the old forums was like uh dan i think you said that you used to use it extensively like what what do you see this or how do you see this new community site comparing to the older forum site
1: yeah, I, I wanted to touch on that because I felt like uh, I did used to use the forms a lot. And as Mark II came into its own and through the bulk of Mark III... Um, the communities, is, or sorry, the old forums is the place I would go to, to, you know, check popular tournament level lists, check out, you know, there was a store finder at one point, which phased out unfortunately, but that's really the first place I would look to connect with the community. This was before Reddit was popular with the War Machine community. This was before Discord took off. So that was my one-stop shop to go to connect with everyone that played War Machine. And I really hope this is what we're seeing again.
2: I just wanted to say just in general from not just the community forums or Discord or Facebook whatever, whatever social media, there's definitely been an uptick in events, which has been great. So on our Discord, for example, we're really big on promoting events, just not necessarily in our region. But now we're we're, we're having stuff from Canada on the West Coast. So it, it's really cool to see these podcast groups coming back to see – all these new steamrollers and qualifiers coming up or just, you know, whatever, whatever kind of fun events. It, it's exciting. It's like a resurgence almost for, uh, for the
1: game.
3: It's almost like, like a, like a Renaissance. Yeah, I agree.
1: So I know that the old forums had to eventually kind of be uh, picked apart a little bit. Um, and I'm sure Travis spent a bunch of time on there as an infernal, um, you know, I know that the bulk of the players that use them would visit the sub forums or the uh, faction specific forums. Um, and at one point those kind of gotten archived, but you know, the rulings forums was still there and some of the other tools that uh, judges and moderators would use. So I'd love to get your thoughts, Travis, on how you think the that tool is going to be used, how it's evolved over the years. Um, you know, and how we can avoid an eventual you know shutdown of the you know that community lifeline again.
0: Yeah. So the the one way that I'm looking at using the community forum to really push some of the like the rulings and everything is uh, there's actually a wiki that Privature Press has that uh, it's at dot wiki and it's locked down so no one can edit it except for people that have an account with it. And right now we're blocking everyone that ha- doesn't have an account already. So what we're planning on doing with that is actually having that be the repository of all the rulings. So really trying to, to use something similar to what War Machine University was, where we have a lot of the models up there. We may not have full model stats because that would just be reproducing what the app has in it. But we'll be at least having like the abilities up there and what models are affected by it so that we can at least look at it and go, okay, I have this thing. How does it interact and what rulings have been made? Uh, One of the things that I'm really looking forward to doing and I just need to find some time to do it is to take the timing chart from the rulebook and really dissect it and put every ability into it. So you can look at it and go, how does blood quenched and killing spree interact? Honestly, they don't interact at all. But at least lets you look at it and go, okay, this is at this phase, this is at this step, and really try to teach more of that problem solving of how the, the timing chart works. Because honestly, as an Infernal, that's where most of my questions come from. Is like, how do these two abilities interact at this phase in the game and at this phase of an attack sequence or a, a movement sequence or something? So I want to try to take that and really distill that down to a, a really understandable part where you can be like, hey, I've got these two abilities. I look them up in this chart and see where they fall in the, the timing areas. And then you can, if there's places where it interacts, we'll make note of it so that we can say, hey, this is how these things interact together because they're competing or whatnot. Uh, but that's also going to let us make our, our rules just tighter. So there's going to be that coming as well.
1: That's super exciting. I, I played Marvel Crisis Protocol for a little bit and it taught me the importance of having an airtight timing chart. I love that it's presented in the app now, but it is a bit stressful having to go through that timing chart and parse it every time I need to think about an ability. And, and some of the questions that I've been answering at our store are coming to the point where I have to read that whole timing chart like twice just to figure out does it trigger, when does it trigger, you know, does it come before or after that thing?
4: Dan, you made a really good call like two weeks ago. It was, it was a really interesting exception in the timing chart where it's like the active player except for things that generate extra attacks like something like that, right?
0: Yeah, step twelve.
4: Yep,
1: yeah, that's that's what I was talking about. And I
4: was like, oh, cool. So I actually get to proc things instead of just getting berserk to death. Totally. <laughs>
1: that's right. Yeah. So being able to like search through that wiki is probably going to be uh, honestly a tremendous weight off your chest, Travis.
0: <laughs> it is. And I'm I'm kicking myself a little bit. I did call that step number right. It is step twelve. My goodness, I look at this chart too much.
1: Yeah, it's, he already <laughs> knows too much. <laughs>
3: hey well, let's go ahead and shift gears to the app updates so from the last time that we did our recording a lot of things have been released so they had a couple of lore dumps or lore updates right i think Harusk had his story i think storm legion also had some stuff as well as the orgoth dark technologies. so there's still lots of really nice fluff but i think what's a little bit more exciting is the new armies that just dropped so i know andy has been waiting for this your temple flame guard so andy what have you been theorycrafting
4: Oh man, I actually got some on the table. I got my Fiora list on the table on Tuesday. I set 36 models on fire. Oh my nice. god. <laughs> oh man, those trolls. Out of
1: 37.
4: <laughs> oh yeah. And it was it was bad cuz it was just like tough roll. Okay, power 12, tough roll, power 12. Tough he's he's got so many freaking krill wars he to has got to burn through. It was gross. He had a really cute Mulg play where I totally forgot Mulg had Arcane Vortex. And he planted him directly next to Fiora, and I incited and wasted four fury on four focus on nothing. Um, so that that was really bad. I totally forgot Mulk could just take a fury off of himself to do that. I really really like the temple. the 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 Flame Guard rules. It's very different than Exemplar. It's in Exemplar everybody buffs armor. In this army, everything folds like a wet paper bag. So you have to like get the alpha, strike hard, make sure you're make sure you're way up on attrition or else you just lose everything really fast
3: and then what have you thought because i think we were talking about fiora looks like she's like now a combination of all the fioras into one like is, is that true like and how and so specifically
4: in some ways yes she's in some ways a little bit like veil vale, just because Insight is such a heavy tax on her kit i feel like she's if she's going to use Insight, she's not going to use any of the rest of her kit, essentially. If she's not using Insight, she's probably still not using the rest of her kit and just camping and trying not to die. But Avenging Force is huge. That's like an incredibly powerful spell. Convection's fine as a nuke. What else does she have? Hexhammer is going to be rarely used unless there's a couple like solos that doesn't don't want to take a d3.
0: There's uh, Where Hexhammer, I think, really comes into play... Is if you have an opponent that has single wound infantry for their empower units, uh, uh, that's yeah. going to be ridiculous.
4: Yeah, very rarely are they going to be within twelve of her, and if they are, you probably set them on fire anyway. You're not, wrong. but yeah, that's that's a good that is a good point though. If they are playing them aggressively, then maybe maybe we can catch them in, in something like a hex hammer where they have to stay back, and maybe that that six inch empower isn't enough.
0: Right, and that's kind of where you're looking at. It's like most of the kit is used ten to twenty percent of the time, but then some of it's like, hey, I'm gonna use this all the time. And I think that's where some of that balance comes into how the casters work.
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really liking her, but I know I'm gonna lose a lot just because I'm gonna have a ton of fun and then die. That's pretty much what's gonna happen oh, every absolutely. single game.
0: You're gonna throw her into the middle of the army and then die. Yeah. I mean,
2: those are the only games I beat Andy when he plays her.
4: <laughs> she got a good defensive stat line. She, she, she'll survive sometimes. <laughs> and then the other army that I dropped
3: was Black Fleet. I don't think. Wait, no, Tim has uh, his cricks. Has he has he been excited about Black Fleet?
4: He has built a bunch of stuff. We were talking about it a bunch on Tuesday. I don't think he's got anything on the table. I think Raher is gonna be really good she's
3: cool what is the, the the dark waters or the rough seas or whatever that spell is rough the, seas. just to be able to yeah to deliver her army a lot more effectively i like that
1: it feels like a better version of star but just for the approach
3: right no i agree i like that and then also because she has her acrobatics and i think does she has she i think she has prints as well so she wants to get in there do some work and then get on out like and because of how unit movement works now that all the units have to be close with each other for the majority of it she can definitely get work done and <laughs> She, very, she can also
4: can she can also conceivably get I think both of her swords have the uh get a free spell if she kills a thing. Yep. So she can get she can conceivably get two free spells out of out of killing models and yep. sprint away, which is nasty. Yeah,
3: and I was gonna say is that if you remember my buddy Dave, he bought into Crick's like right at the end of Mark Three and he got Banes and Black Fleet, so he knew I told him, like, Black Fleet's eventually coming after they mentioned that being the second army that they're going to go and get so i shared him the good news as soon as it happened and he's super excited to go put models back on the table so
4: yeah they got a lot they got a lot of infantry in that theme there's a lot of stuff i just sort through thank god they didn't give uh stalkers to um to uh what's her name
1: what's it been 25 years and we finally balanced her scar yeah. good, good call on that one scar on that feet plus Travis, stalkers is
4: broken <laughs> it's not okay <laughs> i'm just i'm so glad they kept that in the other theme
0: that scar one mostly made it through the addition change intact is shocking to me.
1: Hey, she's gotta cast Ritsack herself now, and that is entirely
0: true. What what's it been? There's d- no There's no Docstigius for tw-
1: 25 years, and we finally balanced her by not giving her stalkers,
0: <laughs> or by not giving her scarlocks either, because her yeah. only method of casting spells are free statistics blood priestesses who have to melee attack something to cast one of her spells. Yeah, and you can't mm-hmm.
2: you can't attack your own things anymore.
0: I'm super glad to get uh, Scar Admiral of the Black Fleet back out because the boat is freaking amazing. Oh, she's a beautiful model, 100%. I think she's pretty good, too.
4: I think uh, Tim's just mad because he's an owner. He doesn't want to have to buy her yet. (laughs) Scar
0: is amazing. I took her to WTC last year. She is phenomenal. And I don't think she really changed at all. She is still fantastic.
3: And then other things that have come out, they released the rules for the character jacks. I I don't think I've I, I haven't really looked at anybody except for Moloch. I just like the idea about getting souls and becoming defense fourteen all of a sudden. I think that is hilarious. But then also just like whacking a guy with your hand and then like taking control over stuff and having the rest of your
4: army like then like go charge. That's not it's not it's just a guy you can do that to. You can do that to a jack. It's like a gallows <laughs> in itself
3: it's so exciting i'm like really looking forward to it i remember that you were talking about how are you going to go and get souls on it which would be difficult i'm thinking about sticking moloch with a couple of reavers so you can like pull people to begin with take their souls and hopefully he can then absorb it because i think he can only get it from enemy models he can't get it from friendlies
4: yeah get getting souls on him is going to be the hard part that's what mm-hmm. that's what's going to turn him on and
0: yeah. you're right if you can drag stuff in because all you have to do is get it within 10 of him like mm-hmm. you can drag stuff in if you can you can engineer that like people always look at the souls it's like no 10 inches of a model is not actually that hard once the lines have engaged
4: oh yeah right. some as somebody who has to play around 10 inches of gravis all the time it's it's not as unforgiving as, as
0: you think right you put him center of the table he's gonna get a soul
1: yeah. yeah as as andy's common opponent that 10 inch ring around his jacks getting angry is much wider than i want it to be
3: uh, <laughs> agreed oh i remember those mark three games
4: oh uh, faithful masses man it's, it's no i think it, fa- it was five. just no, now it's 10-inch. yeah in mark in mark three it was five yeah
3: and then travis you play storm legion have you looked at the general and been theorycrafting like what you yeah. do with him
0: yeah i'm very excited about it because he he's a model that you can dive super deep Uh, with because i believe he has overtake yeah and i'm very much looking forward to an overtaking pow 19 weapon uh pow 19 warjack uh with like wolf or with calder like there's just a number of cool things that the general can do that's gonna make him just a ton of fun uh against opponents so i'm very much excited for him i have to say erica made a really funny joke what did you
3: say whenever you hear the general what do you think about
2: Oh, that insurance commercial, which will probably be a meme in one of our battle reports in the future once this model comes out. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's
1: incredible.
0: <laughs> Sean and I were actually talking about that. One of the, I think it was Sean that I was talking with, but uh, the same thing happens when people hear the general. It's like, okay, we're going to have to start making up a new name for him. So it's like, is it Alexander? Is it Genghis? Is it, like, pick your general. Is it Patton? Like, take, take your leader of whatever fictional or real life army you want and call him that
2: now it's gonna be the cute little guy in the jeep that wants to sell me car insurance that's that's head cannon. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and then i know that you guys with your winter core um are you excited about putting mother bear on the table like what do you think about uh yeah rules i am so-
4: terrified <laughs> mother okay. bear's gonna suck
1: she looks freaking angry that's all I got to say. Like, between Avenging Force on the spell rack, between her getting angry and hitting harder, I don't think that one actually moves her, but take, for instance, Superiority and Escort on Valeri.
4: It's going to be a speed seven bulldoze thing that charges through whatever it wants to charge at, that's right. knocks stuff out of the way, but and then, then go kill what it wants to that's, go kill.
2: That's, that's oh, spite and jealousy oh, oh, she's coming, coming. okay Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
4: She's oh, just going to be slamming stuff around away from her as she charges at her target. It's she,
0: terrifying.
1: She a hefty chonker. She coming. <laughs> People says
0: 20 with triggering hand of vengeance. She's real good. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's, a, she's she's everything ever Kador wants. 22 yep. with Poissons? Yep.
2: I, I like it, too, because the Kodiak was always one of my favorite Warjacks in Kador, so it's it's cool to see a character in this new edition of the game kind of yeah. paying homage to uh, one of my favorite Warjacks, so and, and excited to
1: I, true to Kador uh, form, like this model is just a pile of stats. It doesn't do shiny stuff like the General or Moloch, but like, who Do not piss that bear off.
3: Mm-hmm. And then the last one, I don't. Is it is Israfil? I've been calling of like Idrizil. Yggdras- Israfil. Okay, I've been like saying like Idrizil, like the the what is it? that's the world tree, like that, like the first thing I think about, but uh, like. Sh- She seems pretty cool. I like her. I like the fact that it's, I think, the only range three weapon that I've seen so far with drag. So she's just able to go and, like, you know, smack people around. And especially because it's trained weapons, I know that a lot of our jacks, we will see, like, those shields. So trying to get around that, uh, as well as being a blessed weapon. I'm just excited to see that now this one doesn't care about all your, you know, armor buffs, defense buffs, and stuff. It's just going to go ahead and come in and grab you. And it's going to threaten
4: a country mile
3: well specifically because the the uh, dusk has access to ghosts ghost walk like just making it ghostly and just having it go somewhere like it's going to go and pull stuff which i'm excited to go try to play that with her so now she's going to be definitely an auto include if i ever have like Hazroth.
4: yeah every single one of these character jacks are very expensive i think i think are they all 17 points i think they're
0: all 17. Yeah, so I'm they're all very expensive
4: but it like they're all compelling in their own way so yeah, there's, there, there's no there's no duds here I know people have been talking Molo a little bit but I think I think he's still gonna be really good
3: he's gonna be fun like I'm excited to go hit hit uh, somebody with him and then him because he has like the placement rule just hitting something that can have him like disappear
1: behind a
4: house yeah he just like, does just... so many dumb things
1: <laughs> yeah. I like that they're all priced for about like one and a half warjacks. like one and a half good warjacks in in your faction you know, because I could definitely buy two very, very cheap, like eight-point direwolves for less than the price of Mama Bear. But do I really want that many? Like, and and also they're the cheap shitty ones. So how much Matt am six, I really? Rat six, rat five, buddy. Yeah, I mean, rat five is pretty incredible for where I come from. <laughs>
4: <laughs> the Kador rat four. So Those
3: are rookie numbers. Yeah,
1: rat <laughs> five still feels, feels so good. <laughs>
3: And then finally, I guess for the app, the Black Tide. I know they just had a chapter six got released. I did see though, if I remember correctly, they are going to be releasing a desktop version of the app sometime. I think I saw an announcement like within the next month or so. Am I right about that, or am I just thinking that?
1: I heard it was going to be the next major release. The major
3: release, and regardless, I'm looking forward to reading those things like on a desktop is what uh, I'm trying to get it. Like,
2: yeah, I think did Matt Wilson say something in the Matter Report interview where it's going to be like a season? thing. So like this'll end the current season, and they're going to go into their next narrative. Like the next narrative scenario is going to start the new fluff,
3: which is really cool. Yeah.
2: Oh, I just want to say I haven't read chapter six yet, but chapter five, the uh, the fight scene between um, Boris and Silver. Hey,
4: don't spoil it for people. Who I'm
2: don't- not spoiling it. it. It was very well written. Like <laughs> the descriptive language, it was good. So good job. Does, <laughs>
3: does it Does it feel on par with the old with the old lore that they used to have? And I think back to the oran is it oran blackwell what is his name oran oran
1: midwinter
4: uh, oh, no. <laughs> no uh what was the uh who wrote the uh the
2: writer aaron rodell uh
4: he was one of them yeah uh
3: i can't but i guess i'm uh, i feel bad i I'm, I'm awful but do we does it, does it feel like that descriptive language because i go back to like the malcontents
4: and oran oran over... gray oran gray you. was the was the other was the other guy who was written novels yeah
3: thank you but i mean like does it feel like that because i remember just reading those and being able to visually picture every single thing happening uh it's like it is that level of description
4: i mean the lore so far for me has been um it it, some chapters are excellent and some chapters are a little a little wordy but you know it's 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 just starting like they're gonna be they're releasing stuff like constantly so Mm -hmm. if something isn't your flavor there's gonna be plenty more down the road so it's not like it's not like this is all there is. It's not like they issue a book, and you know, and that's it for for all of all of that um, all of that release. So that's pretty much it's pretty much a a consistent flow.
3: All right. Well, that gets all the app stuff out of the way. So then the other major releases. So from last time, uh, we had guard towers, and now we have the bunkers. So looking at the bunkers rules, I think it ended up showing was that. If you're inside the bunker, you cannot be targeted by anything, which is very different from the guard tower because you could get shot at, at the guard tower. Uh, so, uh, just help me out. If you're in the bunker, can you shoot out of it, or are you just stuck inside of it and like you're just you're just waiting to get out?
0: I believe you're completely isolated because there's nothing, there's no availability to shoot out.
2: There's like no windows or anything.
3: That's what I'm saying because it's different from the guard tower because I think that we talked about where the guard tower. Do you put it in a zone? or do you put it in like four inches of a flag it can be very very oppressive i think the bunker is definitely going to want to be in a zone you know
1: what i mean but that's kind of yeah
4: kind of the point of being in the bunker is to be contesting a zone or something like that sure
1: so i'm having trouble seeing some really good pictures of like a 3d rotationist model especially because it has two configurations that you can build out of it travis do you know if it has two doors one on each side Like, can I go in the back of my bunker and then come out the other side and fight you? Uh, You would actually have to
0: ask, uh, I think, Erica, because I don't have one yet, to be able to tell you. I think there's only one door, though, unless you have the double configuration, which you have two doors.
1: Oh, so you can build that then? Ooh,
0: no, I think I think it was that that double configuration is if you have
3: two of the bunkers like I was trying to wrap my head around this but I think what it is is that there's the one rounded area on one side and then there's the door on the one side and the platform you can be on top. But if you buy a set of two, you can take two of those fronts and make it into like a circular thing that you can like be inside but i don't know if there's a door for that and then you could take the two like door pieces and turn them into a bunker that's like a little bit thinner but not rounded off i, I think that's how you can configure them
2: i thought i had right. three configurations if you have two
0: right it's yeah the, that's that's what you said it's the rounded horseshoes connected and then the the box together and then the horseshoe with the box yeah, It
4: could be one of each or two of, two of one side or two of the other. A to A,
1: A to B, or B to B. Yeah.
2: I like the cute little door.
1: <laughs>
2: Sorry. And,
3: and then something one. else that was really exciting was that at Boca Brawl, I did not expect to see Chimera art there. So what is our first impressions of Chimera? Because when I looked at it, it reminded me of like StarCraft Zero They have
2: eyes. They're legionary <laughs> L-
1: beasts with eyes. El Sneck.
4: It reminds me of like Naga, the faction, where it's still sort of like it's more snake people than it is like, I guess like
1: monstrosities. I definitely mm-hmm. had an Indiana Jones moment. It's amazing. I'm excited.
3: <laughs> I was, uh, I was saying because I, I know like with the initial Brine Bloods, it was like okay, you can swap out these weapons, you can swap out the hooch. So immediately looking at the Hydra and then looking at the little scythe guy i'm like trying to figure out okay how are you going to go and change these up so i'm assuming that the scythe guy you can probably change his arms but i'm hoping with the hydra like you can swap out the heads like oh definitely that's
4: i'm assuming because one was fire one was acid one was something else so i'm I'm assuming you're going to be able to swap them around yeah
3: and and that'd be really neat if it's just like i want three fire heads and like that's what i'm going to go work with i think that'd be kind of neat like if you really want to go push it far into like maybe a direction of what it can do or if you wanted to be like a generalist that's able to hit the three i guess different elements that was like there so i don't know if like i'm hoping that's how that works they're just really cool like i i didn't think i was going to be interested in chimera just when they first said it's like legion isk but like slightly different you know but but now seeing them i'm very compelled to potentially buy into that as my hordes faction now
4: they're certainly unique i like the art style i'd have to i i want to i want to wait until i see some of the sculpts first before i before i pull any triggers but yeah i'm, I'm excited for them
2: i just wanted to add to uh for the burker brawl so this is the second time i believe that they had spoilers for like prizes. So basically what, what happens at the broker brawl? and I think this is a, this is an awesome sustain and it would be really cool if this was like one of the broker brawl's exclusive prize supports, uh, from PP. Uh, so at the previous broker brawl, we got, um, early access to, to spoilers in, uh, back in October. So it's cool that that they're continuing to do this and how the broker brawl does it is they have these envelopes that Seth and Steve will put out on top of the prize support. So even though all of us are competing with with one another in these different tournaments, we're working together as this collaborative team to get to the spoilers and to be able to share it with everybody. So it's a really cool community building event. And I uh it would be really cool if that you know move forward as an exclusive to their convention
3: to caveat on that i know that steve rabido first said that when you get these spoilers you can do whatever you want with them you can take them you can burn them you can keep it secret whatever and it's nice that everybody's like no this belongs to everybody and like the first thing that they do is they look at it they say that that's who would burn
4: them (laughs) (laughs) who would do such a thing (laughs)
2: <laughs> nobody nobody in the past two runs of this is like secretly coveting it and taking pictures like we'll look at it and then it immediately goes on the public wall for everybody to enjoy.
3: And that's what I was going to go say like it, it belongs to everybody, which I really like about this community and I really really like about the Booker Brawl.
1: It's just the greatest feeling when you're the one of the people that gets that spoiler and then for the next 5 minutes before you post it online, you're walking around the hall showing everybody you can talk to, whoever's done a game, look at this mm-hmm. cool shit that's coming out. Dan. I, love I it. think
2: uh, stop me if I'm wrong, but I think Dan got one of the first spoilers because he died like immediately, and that was That's a surprise. Right. <laughs> I was, so I was assassinated got- after <laughs>
1: playing one turn, and I was like, "Oh, spoilers!"
3: <laughs> and then well, was the troll character beast with the Cthulhu-looking face and the big old crab claws. I think it's uh, quite exciting. What does it say? It can only advance if you move it sideways.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wrote that in there. <laughs> <laughs> Paul will read anything you put on the teleprompter.
3: <laughs> I, was like, is it so I was like i didn't write that <laughs> <laughs> it's a crap then and then the last thing i guess was that the expansion boxes for storm legion and sea raiders should be coming out this month so that's exciting i'm looking forward to putting some breath on the table that chick looks awesome i'm excited think, to go build my own feet i, I think
4: dusk is this to month too right
0: i i can't speak on that i don't know is it i don't know if the the dusk main army might be because they're being produced externally they might have the base army coming out at the same time i don't recall for sure though gotcha Yeah, i gotta look
3: at that updated map I, I couldn't tell you all right and then let's go and discuss about our future stuff that's happening so uh the time is now may 4th and i think this is may 20th maryland has their narrative event so they're going to be doing their black tide part one which is super exciting so they're doing it as a full day event and then Uh, what else? Oh, uh, the portal steamroller on the 13th of May, even before that. Yeah, we're,
2: we're road tripping. We're coming to get your clocks, Dave. (laughs) Are
4: there any coins up at Portal? Anybody got any coins?
2: Oh yeah, King of Coin. There's gonna be a lot of coins, uh, cause Maryland's going, Delaware's going, and I don't know if Jersey's playing or not. And then of course we'll have the, the portal Pennsylvania crew.
3: You might even have some people from New York come down as well.
2: Oh yeah. I think Dave and Amber might be coming.
3: Mm Mm-hmm and then did you want to mention what dave said was that if you wanted to proxy stuff he's allowing that if it's like rules are.
2: yes so uh dave who is shout out dave's awesome uh he is the to for this event as long as the model has rules in the app you can proxy it oh
4: uh, i don't want to see i don't want to see any mother bears please no mother
1: bears mother well, bears If you see and a kodiak little, you know what that means little putt putt tanks that paul printed for me they come in <laughs>
3: They're so boxy and dumb looking, oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> They're like little advanced Force tanks, I love them. They're darling. They, that's,
3: they are wonderful. We have the Siege Invitational, that is coming up. Shout uh, out, uh, Minority Report. Yep, so that's that's something fun. So go win yourself a hammer or get a picture with a hammer and then potentially win the hammer. And then big stuff, again, is be nova So we have been very, very busy with it. We've been changing some of the events in there. Erica, I think this is your wheelhouse. So go ahead and talk about some of the big changes that have happened.
2: Sure. So um, we've changed up our schedule a little bit. So for those players who are returning or you're new or you just want to check it out, uh, we have some how to play a demo set up. There will be armies provided from Delaware machine so you don't need dice you don't need anything you just, just gotta show up uh, we're doing a 2v2 random team event so if you're new and coming back in or maybe uh, you're not uh, too familiar with folks in the community right now uh, it's you're paired up 50 points with another player 50 points and then you'll play a, a combined 100 point game into two other random people we have also added IKRPG so for those that are enjoying the Iron Kingdoms uh we have shout out to Tears he was just on a battle report uh he is an awesome DM a part of the Trident True crew so uh he will be running all the Iron Kingdoms events
3: At least for the tables as well for nova we've been plugging away on them i recently been uh working with workbench maniac uh he basically made a bunch of ios terrain he basically gave me ios the terrain pack so it has towers statues like everything that you saw in the old ios and the old uh ios like dioramas and stuff so we've been 3d printing them i already got two towers completed I'm excited to go and have these tables done. So they're going to look awesome alongside all the other stuff. So it's going to be fire.
2: I would also mention to uh, like a plug. So our battle report for May is our first Mark four versus Mark four army showdown Orgoth versus the winter Corps. So the map that uh, our players are playing on it showcases one of our custom Nova 3d maps, which is a Kadoran village. Uh, so if you know, if you guys take a look at that, that's kind of what you can expect from the tables that you'll see in addition to a custom scenario that we've cooked up for for you guys. So we're excited to share that I can't wait to to put it out on YouTube.
3: And then later on after Nova, we got the sussy scuff, which we is sorry, if you're unfamiliar with the sussy stuff is, it is the Susquehanna scuffle, it is going to be the second year that we were doing it. And Erica, again, you can go ahead and talk about the awesome stuff that we have there with the hobby challenge. And-
2: sure. Um, so the Sussy Scuff started just a quick, quick history as a meta fun meta dojo showdown. So Delaware War Machine started up, and a couple months after us, Maryland War Machine started. So we were both helping each other build up our metas, and I was talking to Sam and Ryan, kinds of joke. Hey, if our metas are still around in a year, we should do this fun, you know dojo showdown because we're each on different sides of of the susquehanna river so that's kind of what it started so it is a three man team event it's basically like a baby broker brawl it's going to be at the battle bunker in philly in addition to the team tournament max of four rounds Uh, we have a hobby uh, challenge so with prizes for painted models and then we're also doing a meta table off so for our metas you guys are coming to compete Uh, We'll have you guys design a table, bring it, you know, bring the train and stuff with you. And then that'll be a a category of hobby challenge as well. So I think we'll get some fun thematic tables based off of where our stores are located and the creativity of our players.
3: What kind of things do you think is acceptable for this meta table challenge?
2: Uh, I mean, you could do some Iron Kingdom stuff. I think Sam and Ryan from Maryland were joking around about like a crab table since Maryland Crabs uh, is big. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I mean, the world's your oyster. I hope
1: they show up with a legit bucket of crabs and just dump it on the table.
4: Giant enemy <laughs> crab.
1: <laughs> now, I, I was thinking about this from a rules perspective, too, and I think it's a really awesome opportunity for someone outside of our meta to bring their meta with them. If they play on that table, they kind of have a home field advantage because they, they're they going to set up the table. They're going to kind of show you know this is the terrain that we sort of normally play with. And that's Bringing a slice of home with them. I think that's really cool. All
3: right. Well, I think that's all the current events that we have going on. So, now we're going to go talk about the layout for today. So, we wanted to go into more detail and debrief the Poker Brawl. And then, after talking about Poker Brawl, the other topic or main thing we're going to be looking looking at is list building. You know, how is it that you list build in this mark four world you know starting with theory crafting and then either prepping for a uh, game yourself or probably prepping for a steamroller and how to prepare for that so uh, let's go ahead and just talk about the booker brawl so it was oh uh, erica you said something about there being like a different vibe this year like what are you talking about yeah
2: so uh, this is i think my fourth burger brawl and it's a great time regardless of any other time i've been it's definitely a highlight favorite event of my personal favorite event of mine uh this year it just felt like a different energy and it was a very positive atmosphere. Um so if we can just talk about the teams really quick. Uh we we didn't see like your typical like stacked teams where it's like all WTC people. Like everyone was just kind of split among the masses which uh which was really cool. People are just having fun. Like, it was chill. Like, even though it was a competition, I never felt stressed out. It was just super chill and relaxed. And it was such a great feeling and, and atmosphere to play in. It was very welcoming. Oh, that was the other thing, too. We had so many uh, new faces that were there that this was their first uh, Broker Brawl, first big team event. I know that we had brought a couple of uh, brand new players from meta, and they had a phenomenal time. It was – the community was very welcoming. It was It was a blast. So, yeah, it was a good year. Travis this was a good one to go to for your first one thanks
0: and I think to echo your your statement on it I think even the teams that were competing uh that were like really in the money running for trying to get the WTC slot it wasn't really like a super try hard when it all costs type feeling it was very much a hey this is gonna be a fun event we're gonna have fun and make sure that that's the the primary focus and I think that kind of showed itself through the, the weekend
3: well let's go talk a little bit about the events and i didn't play in friday so let's see here. so we had the the team event right there's 12 teams for that we had the ig qualifier big bounty brawl there was a narrative event and then we can just overall talk about you know us all hanging out friday and saturday night so i i didn't play in the ig qualifier or the big bounty brawl but i know dan and travis i believe you two played in this so you want to talk about your experience
1: with that sure do you want to go first travis sure
0: the IG qualifiers where I played, there was eight of us. Overall, that's where the Shark Tank was, because most of the people that were trying to compete for uh, the IG qualifier spot for Warfare Weekend were playing there. Uh, it was still a great time, a lot of fun. Played three rounds, 75 points, so we were done in like half the time the big bounty brawl was going on. Uh, so we had a lot of time to chill and hang out and talk amongst each other, so it was it was a great time. I, I think I went one and two, which was... Fun for me because I got to play against great opponents and have a great time overall.
1: It's awesome. I never managed to make my way out to Warfare Weekend. That extra trip or vacation is just a tax on me yearly, I think, and I just can't make it there. So whenever the Boker Brawl comes around, I tend to gravitate to the the B, 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 B tournament, <laughs> however many Bs it is, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I really like the fact that it's a bit more casual in nature, I can kind of have a bit more fun with that tournament, and the competition really isn't any less uh, stiff, I always have really excellent games, and they're really close too, like, win or lose razor's edge sort of thing. And you know, it could go either way. And I really love that sort of war machine. But the thing I love the most is the playing the mini games and giving these like achievement unlocked, like the back of your tournament sheet is just filled with cool stuff. And if you say that you did it and your opponent agrees, you're like, you get a free prize for it. I walked off with maybe like maybe enough prizes to pay for my Boker Brawl ticket from that event. I couldn't ask for a better tournament.
2: Yeah. The other thing, too, is that event, even though with the IG quality, you guys had like, what, 40 players in that, Dan?
1: There was a lot. Oh, it was there was at least 24, right? Because it was like two heats of 12 at the least. Oh, that's
2: right. They split them up into heats. Yep. Yep.
1: Which I'm very glad that they're doing. Several years back, it was all one pile and like losing a game. They used to give out one big base to the top half of the field. And when you were going like a five round event with, you know, 30, 40 people in the pool, losing one game could definitely, you know, sink your chances of getting a base. And I really prefer them, them giving the, uh, the two heats because not only does it not go until like midnight, but also you can, you can maybe afford to drop a game and, and not have to be you know an invincible player just to get up there
4: that's the big advantage of doing two heats is you max your rounds at four you don't have to just keep playing
0: it's something that i'm i'm looking at as a coordinator of events as well i think the two split heats and do four rounds max is the way to do things
2: that's that's what we're doing at nova we're not doing uh at max our events are four rounds most are three but we're maxing at four
4: i've played a couple tournaments that, that have gone five rounds and it's you're you're dead at the end there's you got nothing left
1: I'm, I'm running on pure, like, alcohol and protein bars at that point. It's just nothing else <laughs> oh left of me.
0: <laughs> uh, I was going to say, the only time it really works for five rounds is 75 points because... The
2: games are faster.
0: Yeah, your games are faster. It's You're still, like, three rounds in on a full 100-point tournament uh, at that point. Yeah, it, like, playing four or five rounds of 75 points does not feel like a slog at all, and that's, I think, something that people don't really think about from a tournament point of view is 75 points. You're done in like five hours. It's awesome.
3: There's one thing I wanted to mention about the, the big bounty brawl. So it was a, originally the bbbbb B, 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 right all, this, but it's the, it was the big base brawl which you would end up winning like a colossal or a battle engine at the end of it but because of the change to mark 4 i think when seth originally thought about it, it was the big bounty brawl it was supposed to be going for like 80 millimeter bases but they weren't released at this point so they turned it into just basically mark four stuff so damn what was some of the prize support that was at the end of the big bounty brawl like it was all like mark four stuff wasn't it yeah
1: i think I think they had two of each initial army box up for grabs. I think they also had some of the preview kits with extra warjacks and extra warcasters. And I know that I took home a package of defenses from that table, finishing in the top half.
2: Yeah, they had the defenses, they had guard towers, and they had a bunch of mercenaries and the um, alternate sculpts for the uh, solos. I mean, that that's great stuff.
3: Okay, so the the narrative event, Erica and Andy, I think you guys played in this. How was a uh, Warbudgies? Uh, and uh, yeah, how's War Budgie's event?
2: Uh, so it was War. Oh, just really quick. So just for um, clarification, it was War Budgie's with Ice King. Uh, okay. That were um, running that event. Yeah, Andy, go ahead. Why don't you talk about it?
4: No, it's okay. Um, I uh, it's I think it's a modified version of the third. What is it? Black. What's the? Black what's tide. The Black tide. Narrative event, um, so it's a little bit different than what's in the app. They they added some some more wrinkles to it, cannons on the walls, and some ways to interact with gates and stuff like that to make it a little bit more interactive. I played as an attacker. Erica played as a defender. Her, she, everything she put on the wall died, unfortunately.
2: Yeah. So the funny joke was, um, so I, I was playing Winter Corps. So I, if you know the, the shock trooper gunners, the shotgun guys, it's so funny. So they were up on the wall and the way that the models were posed, they kind of like looked like they were looking down at Boris. Like, are you sure about this, sir? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, you're going to be fine. Get in there.
2: Yeah, so um, again, not, not to plug our channel too much, but if you go to our YouTube, we have a quick two and a half minute like music video of the whole weekend, and we do showcase the narrative table. It was beautifully done. They, reconf- not reconfigured, but they changed the rules on the guard towers to make them siege towers, so you could push them up to six inches every turn and then the unit that was in there could siege the wall which which was really cool the uh the train was was beautiful they even put like these bear heads as like gargoyles uh heads coming out of the wall that was really cool it was very very Kidoran.
4: my favorite was he uh when we got there he was painting little ladders and stuff and 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 little uh little places to hide siege behind aqu- oh
2: my god they're so cute so I'm like-, like this unit
4: carries this ladder <laughs> this carry this unit carries this ladder
3: no and then also i think there was like battering rams as well that you could use in order to go and like batter down the doors
4: yeah that didn't work i was i i I used that very poorly
1: (laughs) (laughs) mistakes were made
4: i was like can i can i can i climb ladders with horses and he said he was like no no they
1: cannot climb ladders i was like you're right you're right erica do you want to talk about the other thing we did friday or is that going to be secret for now
2: Oh, yeah, the battle report. Uh, so we kind of mentioned that a little bit earlier. So that is a joint tried and true minority report uh battle report. If you're uh, on Patreon, you should expect to see that report probably in a little over a week. And then we're also posting some behind the scenes as uh, we're as I'm finishing the editing for it. So I'm super excited to get these armies, uh, these new beautiful armies on the channel and share their roles. Because I know a lot of players that might be on the fence or are coming back to the game. I know the Mark IV armies are a big a big request right now from the community.
3: Okay. So before we start talking about the team event, can we talk about the other most amazing thing that happened Saturday night, which is Captain Sonar?
1: <laughs> yes, Paul, we can talk about Captain Sonar.
3: <laughs> I love Captain Sonar. It was so much fun. It was a lot of fun.
1: It's gotten a lot of hype. That group brings like one or two copies every year and somebody ends up playing it and it gets a big you know it's it's a big spectator sport like people are just kind of watching the two teams duke it out and I went home and one of the first things I did on Monday was buy a copy <laughs> have it mailed to me yeah, from Amazon. So
2: for those that aren't aren't familiar with said game it's basically multiplayer uh, it's two team battleship where you have up to four players at least we played four on four and yeah you're basically playing battleship simultaneously everyone's got a little job it's kind of like Artemis a little bit that's what it reminded me of if if anyone's familiar with it that. It gets
4: very hectic I'm pretty sure yeah. we broke the rules like a dozen times. Yeah but...
2: true thank God for Brad Park man shout out that guy, <laughs> guy loves Knows
4: that game with like the back he, of his hand
2: he loves him some captain sonar I'll tell you what uh, he's also very good at it
3: it was just a really fun time and then especially like after you know us like drinking and stuff and just you know try to keep track I have no idea where anybody is or wait what am I able to go do uh, taking a box like the systems are
1: ready I'm like I know the system's are ready I don't care oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Paul's a dead eye on that uh, sonar though and he was able to track the enemy ship like maybe half of the way through the second game he turns to me he's like i got him i got him i know where they are i was like okay paul
3: i was so excited i was like i still got him i still got him!" yeah Ugh. like
1: 30 minutes later he had him on track and we hit him like dead eye with a torpedo and it was just the most satisfying yeah. thing ever
3: all right <laughs> okay so let's go and i guess finish up with the, the team event which was the big marquee event right so there are 12 teams if you didn't know the placement minority report took third place shout out to those guys then they had the Ordinary League of Gentlemen took second, and then Weasels Wargaming took first. I wrote down a couple of the lists that like ended up winning for those that may care about the stats. So Weasels had a Convergence, uh an Orgoth, Infernals, crucible Guard and Legion, and they are going to WTC. Ordinary uh, Gentlemen had Wintercore, Classic Kator, Rule Grimkin, and Trolls, and finally Minority Report had orgoth Infernals, uh, two groups of St- uh, Storm Legion, and finally Rule. So instead of us just going off and talking about all the different games that we, what we play, what I thought would be nice is actually we could just do a highlight of one game or one opponent that we had. That we really enjoyed playing with, and actually, oh god! Oh,
2: sorry, really quick, um, before we go into that, just to say that the army representation and spread was very vast. I think every faction was represented minus two. I think one of them was Pharaoh, and
3: I, that is I don't correct. think Scorn.
2: Yeah, it's two, right, Travis? No, Scorn. Scorn was there.
0: Oh, Dave, okay. there Dave was played Scorn. Ar- there was an army of the Western Reaches. I'm pretty sure you're right that it was a faro army and then there was one other that was not there i forget what the other one was there's lots of pirates though yeah davis was was playing pirates. pirates i
1: think uh, it was too early for the cricks pirates right right it yeah was they, too
0: they, early for temple flame guard and too early for oh uh, was Black it Fleet. was it
2: soldiers of fortune maybe
0: no i mean he played that yeah it's thornfall alliance and then there was just another one and i forget which one it was it's fine.
2: I'm just... Good representation.
4: I saw I saw a lot of the new circle theme. The, 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 the Bradicus, uh and Grail circle theme was, was very popular. There's like so many golems that are running around there. Yeah.
1: It's the new shiny. Everyone loves new shiny. <laughs>
4: I know. I wanted my Temple Flame Guard new shiny. We just <laughs> I missed, the, I missed the list lock.
0: Damn it. And that's the thing I I think I really liked about this event. With it being a little bit more casual, there's a lot of different players playing a lot of different things.
2: Well, I like yeah um just just to kind of um love of that travis i love that's one of the reasons i love traveling to different events because you see different armies for one different players and different metas it's just like like some stuff we just we just don't see here in delaware because nobody plays it um so it's it's cool to see all this all this other stuff or
3: it's like even that they play the stuff that we play but they play it in a completely weird or different fashion and it's just like i think back to like how you have your old witch list and then Nate M had his other version of the old witch list and it's just like a completely different way of playing it.
0: I was saying that Dragon's Host was the other one, so it was one of the Legion mm-hmm. themes and uh one of the There you go. Yeah. I don't bl- I don't blame ones. him. Ra-
4: Ravens is really cool. I'm I'm Ravens sure is every- really cool. <laughs> everyone everyone's on the Ravens train right now in Legion. Mm.
3: All right, well, hey, Travis, since you're the guest, you might even go ahead and share, like, one opponent in one game that you really, really enjoyed. Sure. And you you want to go talk about, like, what the list was that you played against or what made it compelling or just what made your opponent compelling. We, we'd yeah. love to
0: hear that. Uh, I played in the third round. Uh, we played the Filthy Casuals auxiliary team. Uh, I got paired up against Rob, uh, who was playing Grimkin, and we had a really cat and mouse game between Wolf and the Heretic. And it was... Uh, a lot of fun because from the get-go, it was everyone staying? we had exact same threat ranges, so it was very much a who can take control of the battle quicker and who could really like capitalize on mistakes with each other. So I had just a fantastic game where it came down to nearly the last turn and the last couple minutes to, to try to uh, win the game, and uh, I had a lot of fun killing models on his turn as he was killing my models with Wolf's Feet. Uh, killing Isaiah after he killed all of my Stormblades was a lot of fun, and uh, it was just a really great time to to have that back and forth type game. And it was it was just a really really enjoyable game. I
3: wanted to say Rob's a great guy, and and shout out to uh, Owls Gaming um, out there in Pennsylvania. They're really really great people. Uh, if you get the opportunity for anybody who's listening to go out to their events, they they put on really really great events. Rob's a Really awesome guy. Like, great people there. Uh, I actually wanted to uh, to go ahead and talk about my game because mine was actually a, a Grimkin player as well. I wanted to give a shout out to Nate M. Uh, I never played against Nate. I remember seeing him at the last Poker Brawl and just seemed like a very, like, approachable dude. But when it came to the game itself, it was just one of the most fun matches that I, I had. Uh, the list was a, a wanderer list with lots and lots of infantry, and I just had a good time with them. Uh, I, I played a little incorrectly with not understanding Assyria's Blinding Light. I thought it was all spells, not offensive spells. So I ended up losing uh, too many arc nodes to to play later on into the game. But we still had a great time. I, whenever his pumpkins ended up going after my guys, he's like, get in the bag. And I just, I like smiled every single time. Like, I'm not even mad. Like, I'm, I was just having such a great time. And it was just, it was just a fun Back and forth game, like I didn't feel like I was playing one of these, like you know, top elite, you know, players. I just felt like I was, I was playing another guy. It was just really, really nice.
4: Don't feel bad, Paul. He he got me with his, with that same list. I think at Adepticon too. I was playing Serenia, and he ended up clocking me.
3: Uh, Dan, you want to go ahead and talk about your list?
1: Yeah, this was a hell of a game. I think it was also in round three. I had I had the pleasure of playing against Justin Dew. Uh, he was a great opponent. He gave me a real hard run for my money. And the thing that stood out to me about this was, and I'm going for lots of variation here because we've already heard about Grimkin and Storm Legion. So this is another Storm Legion story, but our local plays Storm Legion in a much different way. And when I sat down to play against Justin, I I was like, okay, we've just practiced, the, practiced this. I know the broad strokes of this matchup. I know what I should be doing. And then he put seven units on the table and I was like, what is happening? So, it was just like sticker shock. It's much different than the way my locals play it. Um, and after like a basically a two hour slog, I eventually clocked myself chopping through seven units of dudes. But it was just uh, I mean, that was one for the that was an endurance match for the record books. I think he he played an excellent game and he took it uh, over me um, very late in the uh, very late in the rounds. So, you know, props to him for being able to drive that list. It's probably a brain burn.
4: Well, you got to remember, he was a harbinger main. Like that's his thing. <laughs>
1: that's right. I keep forgetting. I'm going.
4: I'm going to choke you out of this game. Like that. That is his style.
1: <laughs> well, he he definitely has that practice. I'll tell you that much. I I didn't have any choice. I had to keep killing all of like the single models that just threaded their way through and contested my scenario objectives. I couldn't stay up on points against him. So you know, if I could, I could have relaxed a little bit. But no, I just I had to keep killing all these guys. Eric, did you want to go talk about your your sure. match?
2: Uh so probably my uh my standout game was against uh Jake Legion, aka uh JVM. Uh so it's kind of been an ongoing uh joke with he and I of the past couple of years, always been in passing. Like uh I look, like, I'll be straight sure up honest, avoid like avoiding playing him because he's just like, I'm gonna get your Grimkin, all this stuff. I'm like, oh well, not not this year, Jake. So we're at the Burker Brawl and you know, we're like, yeah, let, let's just do it. So with, with some of these uh, higher competitive players, one of the, one of the other reasons I really enjoy traveling is I learn so much from playing a lot of these, uh, a lot of these great, great players. It's just, I I learn a lot. I learn so much from them. Um, And so uh, Andy played Jake uh, at the Liberty brawl last year and that uh, was it was a quick game it was a quick game
4: so he died fast
2: <laughs> died very fast uh, so I I held my own we made it all the way to bottom of seven his final score was 14 twelve Jake uh, but I think we each had less than five minutes left on our clock uh, so it was definitely a game and I said hey you know you're probably gonna beat me but I'm gonna make you work for it you know what I mean <laughs> yeah it was it was a really it was a really good time um that that was probably my favorite game a lot, lot of lot of wrinkles on the brain on that one you know what i mean
3: <laughs> and any of you want to go ahead and take it home
4: yeah i played uh john Bo- becker bocor the, the guy from the bocor memes factory he's very funny uh we've met a couple times i'd never played him before he was playing borka he brought four units of Crail warriors so he just has so <laughs> many bodies on the board I dropped Serenia and Gravis has a really nice aura that says you can't make me stationary, so I, I kinda countered his feet a little bit. Basically I was able to go up one point on scenario towards the end of the game we were both low on clock and he just had to clock himself trying to get it back. But it was a it was a slog. Like every single game I've ever played Protector and the trolls, it's always two hours long. It's always who's <laughs> who's able to who's able to be more efficient and try and get that uh, that, that get that couple seconds and uh, of advantage. But yeah, it was a really good game. It was a pleasure playing him. Well, with Boca
3: Brawl out of the way, looking forward to
4: the next one. I think it's
3: April. Was it April twenty four? Is that the date? Is that am I right?
1: I think that I rings know. a bell. Yes. Okay, I I am really looking
3: forward the to the twenty sixth to the twenty eighth. Yes. Oh my remember. God, I'm I'm excited for next year. Next
1: year it doesn't happen over my anniversary. My wife's not going to kill me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> well let's go ahead and finish up and talk about list building right so you're going off to these events or you're just trying to make a fun list uh i thought it'd be fun to kind of like talk about theory crafting and just making a list right so to define theory crafting theory crafting is defined as a mathematical analysis of a game mechanics usually in video games to discover optimal strategies and tactics i think what that relates to or translates to into tabletop is you have an idea you want to see if it works so I guess where how would you go and start about theory crafting? I mean, like Andy, like you got to see the Temple Flame Guard. Like, what did what was your process in starting to list build and, and trying to figure out like what you wanted to go do? Do like did you look at like the casters first, or did you look at the infantry or everything? Like, how did you go about doing that?
4: Honestly, it's it's a lot simpler than it used to be. Mark IV, the the choices are really pared down. Um, so essentially, what I like to do is I create a very basic list of like here's one of each thing. That i like and see how each performs into a bunch of different stuff and if i think some things are overperforming compared to other things then i start to take other things out and lean more heavily on those like my um in my fiora list the flame i think are really good however mm-hmm. they melt like wet paper bags and they're nine points so I'm thinking about taking them out and adding a second unit of daughters just for the extra body, so I can layer my uh, my my uh, my engagement a little bit better. The jacks they put all the good jacks in Temple Flame Guard. I could take all of those jacks, and they're all friggin' good. So I have to figure out whether I really want a Sanctifier to fuel itself or a Reckoner for a really good gun. Taking both, uh, taking two of the three character jacks becomes really expensive. So it's it's a lot of give and take. It's it's very much like a lot of it is just what do you like and if you want to press that button harder basically it's um mm. it's 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 not it, like i said it's much simpler than it used to be because themes are much small, they're not themes anymore but armies are much smaller than they used to be you don't have as many quite as many options as you
0: used to
3: hey travis do you think you can actually talk a little bit about your experience with theory crafting with storm legion like even yeah. like trying to figure out like best jacks or jack loadouts or swapping loadouts
0: Yeah, it's very much the same. Really what you're looking at is you want to find a style of warjack that works for you and then make it the most effective you can. So you're looking at the different chassis, you're looking at the different heads, and you're like, okay, what things do I need to solve? Do I need overtake? Do I need pathfinder? Do I need grievous wounds? I don't think there's grievous wounds on a jack, but do I need these special abilities on these warjacks to do different things? and you're, you're really trying to kit them out to be that style. I think all the war casters play just a little bit differently, and they kind of fall into tropish type uh, parts of them where, like, Captain Debray, or Debarro, is very much a warjack caster, and she wants a lot of warjacks, while Wolf wants a lot of infantry to make his feet work better. So you're really playing that balance between how much infantry you want versus how many warjacks... Uh, or uh, battle engines, or 80 mil bases, what, what have you, to really make your list shine. And it's, it's playing a balancing act between playing all into a, a, a particular style or theme, like all melee. That list can work if you can get there. Otherwise, you need some method of range to play the balanced list. So it's, it's really looking at what things are occurring around you in your environment who your team who you're playing against a whole lot matters a lot for this. If you're playing against armored core all the time, you're gonna want stuff that cracks armor. Or if you're playing against pirates, you need stuff that hits through tough. And you're you're really playing around what weaknesses you have versus what strengths your army provides. And I think like Storm Legion with Wolf, you're really like, okay, how do I maximize my feet? How do I maximize Wolf's killing potential himself? While well, borrow is like, okay, how do I make all my jacks better? How do I make these things do more work for the points? Mm-hmm. And it's really working off of that. I was going to say
3: is that I think another thing that you want to go do when you're doing the theory crafting is just pay close attention to the rules and the interactions. One thing that I found early on was for my Stormfall Archers and my Dawnguard Sire. So the Dawnguard Sire has the Deathly Strike, and it says that all weapons within the unit gain Grievous Wounds. So then I said, like, okay, that's cool in Sentinels. Okay, cool, it's cool in Victors. Oh, wait a second, Stormfall Archers. I think we're cooking with something right
4: now. Yeah, what do you mean you can grievously wound three models per attack? It's amazing. Hey, as long as, I, as, long as they don't fix it, I'm going to keep doing it. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Paul, I want you to keep talking about this so that everyone else realizes how unfair it is as well. I'm telling
3: you. It was funny because going back to my game with Nate, uh, he said, oh, that's how that works. Whoa, that's really good. Oh, my <laughs> so, God like it was just it but i mean like you know you don't realize these tools that you have until you start to play around with it and another thing i was theory crafting is i know sabreth she has a field marshal overtake and one of the jackal heads has berserk so i'm like hey i could get a berserk and overtake jack i could just remove infantry off the table so i'm interested in throwing them on the table and seeing if it actually ends up working or not so i I just think it's very important to kind of i guess kind of think about it and then, you know, just kind of play around with it. And and one thing that you were saying, Travis, is that focusing on what your list does well in versus what it doesn't go well in. And then I guess... I think Erica was, 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 was mentioning it. it, was that focusing on what you're able to do as opposed to playing the field, right?
2: Yeah, so when I list build, um, I always focus on what the job is for my list versus worrying about the vast landscape of rules and combinations that are out there. Like in a 75-point game or even a 100-point game, you're not going to have all the tools to deal with, tough, no knockdown, stealth, High defense, high armor. So when I construct a list of, so Grimkin, now I'm moving on to Wintercore. I'm still trying to figure out Wintercore, okay? So <laughs> I need help with that one. But the, uh, like with, with Grimkin, especially my old witch list, it, it has a specific job and that's what I'm going to capitalize on versus trying to worry about the hundreds of weird combinations that are out there right now
4: yeah generally for a pairing for me i generally i mean this is coming from a protectorate player it might not work for every faction but for me i have a i need to punch really hard and win on attrition list and or i have a i'm going to contest everything on scenario list like that's usually what i pair things with
2: the other Thing that you kind of have to watch out for that's very prevalent right now in the current scenario packet, right? Because we're still using the that Mark III packet is the scenario jam. So to pivot back to that, the Justin Do list, Dad, like it sounds like it's probably a list that jams you out of scenario with bodies.
1: Yeah, thank God I went first.
2: Yeah, so imagine if you did So I was on the receiving end of that. So my Storm Legion game, a uh, wolf went first, and I just had all this infantry that. I couldn't kill because the jacks would,
1: you know. G- give you the business.
2: Yeah. Or if I stayed back for a turn, I was losing out on scenario present. So having tools, I think, for the scenario push, for the infantry push right now, is, is, is very important. And I would definitely implement that in at least one of your lists in a pairing.
1: Yeah, that's why I'm loving playing Baron right now. Because uh, she kind of brings that to the table automatically in her feet. The way it uniquely works with debuffing movement as well as debuffing the range at which things can reach out and touch your army really gives you an upper hand to counter some of that jamming presence that's prevalent today.
4: That is one of the most nastiest no buttons in the game right now. It's gross.
1: I mean, it feels like caterer to me, (laughs) Uh, so I'll take it. I'm a happy camper. The combos that I like looking for are the like the tiny little keywords that tie everything together. Like I like using the momentum or slam gun on the great bear uh combined with the gladiator head. Because if you slam, like, an infantry model that, that'll that make its tough check or uh, a light jack or something, and it goes flying six inches, that jack is in a different place than it started the turn, man. And and now you can do strange things with it. And oftentimes, I find my opponent is not okay with that.
2: Or even, yeah, or even, like, with the wolf feet, a great counter for it are um, things like Thresher, because the wolf feet is... Per attack and Thresher's just one attack. So you could take out a full unit of the Storm Legion guys and only proc his feet once.
1: Yeah, I don't have the best mind in the world for like latching onto all these tiny little loopholes. Like I was never that guy that played magic that found all of these interactions. I was the guy that that saw them secondhand and then just fell in love with one trick or another. So having those things like scattered around the list building process for me is like, Ooh, look what I found. I can do this cool thing. It it really feels neat.
4: Dan, can you use Boris's feet and follow up outside of activation?
1: Oh yes. Yes, you can, sir.
4: Oh, that's gross. Yeah. Okay. That I got to watch out for that. shit. Boris can also
1: take a shot from his own feet during his activation and because it's during his activation, he can also boost that extra rifle shot that he's got. It's real nasty.
4: Aren't all of his, aren't all of the shots during his feet boosted automatically?
1: Uh, you can boost damage.
4: Oh, you can boost damage. Okay, I gotcha, gotcha.
1: Yeah,
3: he did that to me in our game that we played. I'm like, wait, we actually had to go pause it, and then I think we ended up getting the real rule. Uh.
1: Yeah, it
4: doesn't actually stop his activation. It makes sense
1: to exactly me.
3: Exactly. Yeah, because it's still during it. Like I was really thrown off by like, are we sure that's how that works? I'm like, all right, man. Like I'll take it word for word. Thankfully,
1: we had a handy dandy app to look up the rules in.
4: Boris is a tricky boy.
0: One of the things that I like doing for theory crafting, this could actually help out some of the new players that are listening to this, is when you're looking at list building, if you look at the command cards, they tell you a lot of things to look at for your army because the command cards are there to shore up weaknesses you may have in your list and to give you options so you're not like, hey, I have a list that can't kill tough models. I'm going to lose against the tough army. Having savagery as a card provides that so you can actually look at the command cards as a way of going okay these solve problems how how does my army solve these problems and then which ones aren't solved by my army and it can actually give you a a really decent look into which cards you want to take and how to use them uh, conversely in the tabletop game
4: that's a really good point i um as someone who has been leaning heavily on the exemplar train having infiltration and cover are really the only ways i can deliver my army because reliably you can't really it's really difficult to get there with a fully melee army nowadays
1: yeah no one seems to like seeing stealth mana war so i'm with you
2: uh <laughs> on the on the subject too of savagery yo that like that's the mark four tax for me like that command card makes the list every time even before i start list building savagery makes the cut every time
4: i totally didn't realize it was melee only i was gonna throw that on redeemer all the damn time that's what
2: (laughs) prisoner (laughs) numbers likes that card you know like wait
4: wait, what do you mean grievous wounds
3: is only on melee weapons shut up paul
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh my god yeah actually uh erica good call out travis was talking about combos for new players so if you play uh one of the factions that can take uh prisoner release date She's She goes very, very well with the Savagery Command card.
3: Oh, 100%, yeah.
1: To the point where I've built Kador lists or Wintercore lists with a Direwolf kitted out with, like, a long axe for reach, uh, overtake, and all this other, like, stuff to... And I realized, wait, like, for four points... I'm pretty sure Prisoner hits just as hard with Savagery because she's a Weapon Master.
2: Yeah, didn't Adam Pricer get his Prisoner, like, to plus 36, like, armor and strength yeah. I think I th- Yeah, I think she was, again? like, armor 27, something yeah. like that.
0: Something dumb. Good
1: job, Adam. There was, like, 30 he, tokens on her. It was insane. He could have
0: one-shot Jax, and it's amazing. <laughs>
1: yeah, the character solos
4: in the, the new, sorry, the new combat solos that are coming out from Mark IV are really interesting. They can be really, really swingy. They could, just, they could do nothing for five points, or they could just w- w- get way more than their five points worth out of them.
1: I find she usually punches up. You just got to protect her early game. But the other really nice thing is way the way those uh, mercenary inclusions now work with a lot of the other tools in the army. And this is something that Travis pointed out to me, that the fact that they have the winter core keyword in them means that they count for friendly faction things. So like you That's, can... Uh... Put your blizzard on things, right?
0: That's incorrect.
1: Oh, sorry. Um,
0: I uh, reverted that ruling after I read it some more. Oh, no. Wintercore means it's a wintercore model so that it would actually trigger things like accumulator. So for Storm Legion, it matters a lot for that. So it triggers those things. It's still a mercenary faction tag. You hear it here, folks. <laughs> Ruled.
1: So no blizzard,
0: I can then. Be-
2: Y'all better get, yeah, put it on the forums.
0: I can be incorrect. It's totally Totally happens. I'm a human. Uh, There's a lot of, there's a lot of different weirdness with that one and why they gained the army tags is still something of a confusion for me, but. uh, Yeah, I
4: definitely, in the moment, I definitely could have seen it going either way. Like I could, I could see arguments going both ways at that point.
0: Right. And the reason why I said it at the time is when you look at Storm Legion cards, they don't say Signar Storm Legion uh, on the cards. So I was like, oh, so Storm Legion's the faction. Oh, they do say Signor Storm Legion. What am I thinking that they didn't say Signar Storm Legion? I don't know. Uh, I was very not thinking at the time I made that ruling.
4: You were pre- you were like
0: five or six games deep too, so, you know. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and I guess finish up with like
3: list building for steamrollers or other events or I guess making lists in a Mark IV world because you have to kind of keep things in mind that we don't like this isn't mark three anymore like the units are closer to each other and i think even bigger like we now have these new terrain pieces that you're going to go see on the table and you're going to have to bring tools to either deal with it or in order to go and capitalize on it so i guess going back to the whole idea for the list building like how do you tech for guard towers, or even now, I guess at this time, b- bunkers. Like, I was, is there any, like, I need this unit to get in here, and here's the reason why. I know, Dan, you had the, the bombardiers were in there. Christ, dude, they were like a pain in the ass that whole entire game, because I couldn't do anything to them.
1: I had a game at the Boker Brawl where my opponent used a feat, which meant that I could not make any ranged attacks. I think it was a Colgrima feat. And I had had the bombardiers in, that, in a tower, for a whole turn already. But I was like, it's worth it for me to just let them sit here and do nothing. And then the turn after your feet, they're still going to shell down f- downfield at range 16. It's some things in this game are phenomenal in that guard tower. And I can't wait to see what the bunker does to the scenarios and lists that we play. I can't wait to see the next thing they come out with. I l- am loving this like new, I- I'm loving our new interactive terrain overlords. Let me tell you.
2: Yeah, I, um, I have to agree. I know Terrence mentioned this when we were on the More Than Dice interview. I think in their podcast that just came out this week. Um, I know PP is still trying to figure out, you know, the nuance of the, of this terrain and the rules. Uh, keep doing it. I do like having the terrain. We're trying to butter our, our community up a little bit more and, and putting them on our tables. I, it adds a new dynamic, uh, range to the game that wasn't there before. And I, I like it. And I, I would just encourage PP to keep to keep plugging in that direction. It's, it's good to have interactable terrain.
1: And I think one thing that has been a point of conversation about the community, and I, I would love to get Travis's take on this, is how is your feeling about putting these kinds of structures that can be occupied, sorry, buildings that can be occupied into zones or into places where they contest key scenario elements? Is that something that we should be looking to do as organizers? Um, Is that within the spirit of these terrain features, or should we stay away from that sort of practice as much as possible?
0: I think from my perspective, and I think the way that Matt Wilson explained it to me when we were talking about these terrain features originally was the intent for them to be part of the game and to be part of the scenarios that we played. Like, I could conceivably see now scenarios where this terrain feature, the top level of it, is... The zone for whatever reason, or like you could think of making weird scenarios where these things occupy that space where a zone exists. I would say as a tournament organizer, I wouldn't put a bunker on every table and I wouldn't put a watch or a guard tower. I want to call them watchtowers, but guard towers on every table in the same sort of spots. They should be on different areas on the tables, but they they're fully written with the expectation that they're within four inches of a flag, that they're within a zone, and that players are going to use them. So it's, it's something that I would get used to as a player. Finding ways to destroy them is important from list building, and it is something that we're going to be looking at the survivability of them, because at one point they were very not survivable, and now they might be a little bit too survivable. So we're still paying attention to that from a a design point of view of how the both structures and buildings interact with the table to make them feel correct for when you're playing with them. Yeah, when it comes to the towers themselves, it they're very,
4: very survivable right now. So it it ends up being how do I carve out the models that are inside there? And I'm just very glad that are exists now.
1: So
4: <laughs> I can, I can, I, I don't have, I don't have to care. You're on fire now. Screw you. <laughs> and
1: you, and right. you only have to measure to the foot of the tower.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say setting things on fire is how I've been dealing with the stuff as well. Stormfall archers, they have the incendiary shot. Uh, back in Mark 3 it was like you had to directly hit and everybody was on fire. Now it just says models hit. So was, you still hit them with the blast damage. You can like tag four guys in there, set them on fire, and you know they. would don't roll fire off. Like you could potentially just have them burned to death, so you don't have to worry about actually hitting them. I know, like the Orgot Tyrant has like the Hunter Cortex. I'm pretty sure you're going to be seeing that a lot more now. So
4: my my bucket of fire tokens is alive again. Yeah.
3: So I think you do have to come up with some kind of way to go deal with these uh, things, as well as even defenses. We didn't really talk about that. Like, do you think Sapper is going to be like an auto include now?
0: I don't know if it's going to be an auto include, but it's definitely going to contend for how players deal with that terrain feature. Some pl- some armies are just not going to care. Well, some armies are going to be like, okay, I really need to pay attention to this. So it, it might show up more. I'm I'm assuming that with people's adjustments, like at one point, Breakthrough was an auto-include card. Now it's not. I don't think I take it very much at all anymore.
4: I think a lot of that has to do with the ruling of you can, you can charge past uh, models as long as they weren't engaging you when you started.
0: Correct and yeah, it's a change for that, but it's it's like, I don't see some cards having uses with my play style, and I think that's where people's play is going to come into it. Once we see more eighty mils, and I believe there's a rule that if an eighty mil steps on a defense, it breaks it. for mm-hmm. yes. some of them. What about uh? What about one twenties as well? Is it the same thing? I think it is. It's one. Tw- it's anything uh super heavy and larger. So it, it like th- those sort of things. Once we get more of that stuff, we'll see how this all plays out. I think we're very early in the phases of the defenses and how to interact with them that we really haven't like spent a lot of time figuring it out so that's going to be something that we're going to explore sapper may be a card that's an auto include for the next six months and then it kind of disappears off as people stop taking as many defenses
4: i see nobody taking the barrels right now but i think as more people take defenses i think people are going to start taking the barrels instead of sappers in some circumstances to maybe spot remove a defense or two
2: i saw two sappers got updated it doesn't cost a point anymore uh so it's
1: yeah that's that's
2: just double check on my app. Is that true, Dan? Does that does that track? I don't
1: think either of them cost a point.
2: No. I bet sappers used to cost a point.
4: Yeah, defenses was always free. I think sappers used to cost
1: a point. I feel like it should be the opposite way around. Anyway, that's not the case today, <laughs> so that's fine. One thing I wanted to say for the folks listening at home, Travis, you mentioned you mentioned the defenses. And the sapper's card kind of in the same sentence as some of the buildings that we've been discussing. So for the purposes of things like the sapper or throwing that explosive barrel downfield, these, these buildings, these terrain features are not defenses and do not interact in the same way. Is that right?
0: That is correct. The terrain features, like how structures and the building terrain feature and how defenses work are all separate things. They may have similarities of how you affect them and not affect them, but they are different. So like how you target a wall and break, or not even a wall, it's a barrier because it's not a wall template. They're actually not sized to be a wall template. They're a different size on purpose so that we don't have that issue where it's like this wall template, how does it interact? And can I break it the same way I can break a barrier? They're all different and they're intended to be different to allow that flexibility for us to make changes to how they work and to give us the flexibility to not be rigidly locked into a certain style for it. So yeah, there are all different, To really talk about the differences that would have to be a different like whole discussion on our part but um, they're definitely something where they're different
1: one one thing i wanted to ask on the subject of uh these buildings and defenses i'm sure we're going to see a lot of players who are hobbyists coming out of the woodwork with this and they want to make their wall or their fire pit or their spike trap look like it's part of their army and to many people that's going to mean more than just different colored paint so travis do you have any inside line or even your own personal opinions about when it, what it comes to, how to, how we should support the community in fabricating new defenses and features of this type, and if there's going to be conversions included in the competitive or or organized play packets for it.
0: Uh, one of the things that like one of my locals has done is taken his watch or guard tower. I keep wanting to say watch tower. I hate that, but guard tower and taken shields from like IFP and put them on the outside of the tower. And just doing that one little thing changed the look of that tower so much that you're like, man, that's like a custom tower now. So you can do cool things like the iconography of the different armies and the different factions onto the towers that you buy and make them look really cool and really thematically pleasing for the armies that you're playing. So you can easily make a Kadoran-esque bunker by putting the the Kador symbols
1: on them. I have so many shields laying around. I got to do this now.
0: <laughs> right? Like it's it's a su- it's a super easy conversion to do, but it's really effective on the table. Um, the same sort of thing can be done with Trollbloods. You take the Creel warrior shields. Like you can do really neat things with very minimal conversion parts, and using them to create something really neat.
1: That's awesome. I can't wait to see that sort of stuff coming in from the community. Okay. I think with that, we are, have been recording for about and, almost
3: hour an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah, sh- okay. yeah my bad,
2: Travis. I know uh, I told you an hour, but... Uh... I
0: need to eat dinner. You're all good. You're all good. <laughs> I'm sorry. Have fun well, editing that last
3: part. <laughs> it's staying in there. Well, let's go ahead and do our closing statement. So, Travis, I mean, you being the guest, uh, anything you'd like to go ahead and share or say, by all means, please go ahead
0: and... yeah. I really want to echo what you guys said right at the beginning. For a lot of this, the community is why we do things, and seeing people enjoy the game is why we produce the rules, why I do the Infernal Rule support, why I judge events. And without you guys, the four of you, and the rest of the community, like we wouldn't have these cool things, and we wouldn't be playing this really awesome game and meeting new people and having great friends. And I think that's really the the spirit of what we have to be looking for when you're going to events, when you're playing the game is how does this positively inf- impact my life and make my life better? And how can you as a player positively impact someone else's life while playing the game? And I think that's really the the part to look at is how we're playing with our old armies, how we're playing with new people and how we get them into the game and teaching them the ropes and trying to relieve like that that stigma of, hey, you're playing War Machine, you're gonna lose your first your first two years worth of games. Like, let's find a way to remove that kind of stigma and and really move forward and really make our community like one of the best in the world. And with that, more people will follow and more people will play our games. So I'm very, very excited to have these positive influences, you guys, Minority Report, Blightbringers, every everyone else. But it, it's such a great feeling to be included in these things and I I really respect the hell out of you guys for for doing this that really means a lot thank you so much
1: yeah thank you that's really high praise so you're, you're welcome back anytime flattery will get you everywhere
3: <laughs> yeah you're on the server now so by all means
1: <laughs> i would love to be able to say when it comes to this hobby i love being excited about all of the things that everyone around me is also excited about i love this game and my advice to you as a community member as a player uh or just somebody that likes to watch is to look at this world of immarin with favorable eyes. Always look at your models and your army and your opponent and just think to yourself, how can this be the most awesome experience that we can have together? And not spend time thinking about anything about anything that detracts from that experience. Live in that positivity and I think it will carry you far.
4: Yeah, to, to Dan's point, I I I love the game, but I love our, our local meta even more like i look forward to the tuesdays we get together with everybody just to it's sort of a ritual for us where we can you know it's a once a week hey we're all going we all have the same interests we're all kind of hanging out and we're doing our own thing and it's 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 just great to have a group of people that you just have a common bond with
0: my local players are some of my closest friends so i totally agree with you on that
2: well for me again um like a so little, first off, Travis, thank you so much for sharing your time with us tonight, and it was great. Uh, it was great seeing you again at Burger Brawl. Yeah, just uh, community members, community organizers, keep doing what you're doing. It's it was really like awesome this week seeing all the content creators putting out podcasts, videos, battle reports. Seeing all these events popping up, it's so exciting. It's, it's a great time. If you're on the fence about coming back to War Machine or, uh, you know, you're feeling rough after Mark Three, it's – the community right now is so welcoming and excited and – we're just happy to play. And of course, as the Nova person, all right, you know, plug in for Nova. Uh, if you guys are thinking of coming out, we got a great spread of events. Um, if if you're thinking of coming or you are coming, we encourage that you get your tickets early because uh, table reallocation is in June. We are sharing the same space as some bigger games on the G.A.W. side of the house. Um, so we have an incredible weekend planned for for all of our players and our community. And we would love to, to have you guys come out and play games with us.
0: If I could have any one wish, if I get a genie, the one wish I will ever have is players to register early for events. Please do. <laughs> Amen. My one wish I, I wish I could have.
1: Uh, sometimes we need to just get better dreams. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, Travis, I want to go ahead and just thank you again for coming out on the episode, uh, talking about Booker Brawl. It was nice meeting you in person, finally, you know, after like seeing you so involved, on, you know the facebook community and everything so it's great and uh you know thanks for talking to us about the list building you know your experiences with everything so uh, thank you with that everybody we're going to go ahead and be done with this episode you know check us out on the facebook watch the battle reports that we have coming out and hopefully you can go see what we have stored up for nova coming up so take it easy everybody and we will catch you on the next one
1: thanks everyone bye bye bye, bye folks